mouth of the sound, Jimmy Hart. Hey, check out my new tag team, baby, Money and the Pharaoh. Hey, Jimmy, don't forget to tell them about Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Well, you know what, I would, but you already did it. Money and the Pharaoh. With Money and Pharaoh. The Monty and Pharaoh show. Monty and Pharaoh, bro. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. The Monty and Pharaoh show. And you're watching the Monty and Pharaoh show. Monty and the Pharaoh. With Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. With Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and Pharaoh. Monty and Pharaoh. And Monty and the Pharaoh. Oh, is it Monty and the Pharaoh? Yeah. Monty and Pharaoh. Da the Monty and the Pharaoh show. Monty and the Pharaoh. To the Monty and the Pharaoh show. And it's Monty and the Pharaoh, baby. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Oh, what a run. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Hey, cut the fucking music. When you want the best in professional wrestling, Long Island, there's only one place you're going to get it. Right here, Monty and the Pharaoh. <laughs> now, that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. That, my friends, is just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Monty and the Pharaoh. You've got the future Hall of Famer, that rocker, Marty Jannetty, MJ in the house, and I'm sitting here with two more future Hall of Famers, Monty and the Pharaoh. We're doing that stuff and we're going to rock it. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Duh. broadcast out of indie music tv here out of ron Concoma, long island at the board is producer matt how are you bud great as always i always love hitting you with that you're always in shock like i'm gonna call out your name <laughs> matt matt are you okay today because I, I i think you might be sniffling a little you all right yeah no just a bit of allergies you, you didn't go out drinking last night or anything Nah. okay so you didn't do what i did awesome Drinking on a Friday. Yeah. It's no Drink. surprise there. What do you want? I work in a booth store. Go on. To the right is the star of the show, Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how are you, bud? Good morning, at least for me. Good, bro. What's going on? And we have a special guest in studio is a former WWE superstar and ECW superstar, yes. Mr. Al Snow. But before we get to Mr. Snow, hmm. I'd like to thank the band that sings the theme song for the Monty and the Farrow show, our own Jimmy Farrow, oh, along with his partner, Bart Griggs, the mm -hmm. band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria yeah. Hall sings such great songs as our theme song, Riding High. Nice. Uh, in my dreams, this life not far behind. Here comes the rain, and you can find their music on Spotify, iTunes, and Reverb Nation. Cool. 
The Monty Nefaro Show can be seen on YouTube, The Monty Nefaro Show, Facebook Live on The Monty Nefaro page, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV, RTF Sports Network, their anchor show every Thursday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., Channel 115 every Tuesday from 8.30 to 9 p.m., and for early risers on Saturday on Channel 115, 6 a.m. to 6.30. Monty time. Right? And then Saturday morning, which is like... This Saturday morning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like one thirty in the morning. One thirty in the morning on Channel Twenty. Farrow time, where you'll be able to catch Mr. Al Snow in upcoming interviews. That's right. Uh, we'll get back to Mr. Al Snow right after we get to this commercial break. Be right back. And Verola Worldwide Logistics for all your logistic needs. Please call eight six two 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 seven thirty six seventy. Once again, that's eight six two 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 seven thirty six seventy. Verola Worldwide Logistics. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. And Verola Worldwide Logistics for all your logistic needs. Please call 862-227-3670. Once again, that's 862-227-3670. Verola Worldwide Logistics. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty DeFaro, only seen here out of Long Island in Ron Konkuma at Indie Music TV. Ooh. And I'd like to welcome our special guest and our honor, Mr. Al Snow. Al, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Thank what you does guys. everybody want? Does that get annoying after no. a while? No, not at all. Really? So no. there. Is there anything that gets old? <laughs> Uh, Besides, me. <laughs> well, all of it, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Me too. <laughs> Boy, did you open that door? <laughs> oh my lord, Al! Before we get into some wrestling, I just want to ask you: How are you holding up during the COVID era and uh, what's going on in this country right now with the civil unrest that's going on? Uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, it's, um, it's sad to see the s- situations that are out there and that are existing and going on at this time. But uh, you know, we're a great country. I mean. We really, truly are. For people that have not been outside of this country and seen the rest of the world, believe me, we are we are genuinely blessed here. We've got our problems, we have our issues, but we always see our way through it, and I think we will see our way through all of this as well. So you think there is a future for this country? <clears throat> of course, yes. Do you think things have changed as far as uh, what's going on? Are, more pe- are people just more aware and getting involved? I mean... You know. Well, I think because of social media and, and you know, the internet, uh, people are more aware of uh, everything nowadays, you know, the access to information is, is unprecedented, um, you know, and the level of sophistication of the uh, general population is at a much greater rate now than ever before. People were not stupid or not less intelligent, they were just more simplistic because their worldview was limited to their access. And now we have, you know, as a kid, a seven-year-old kid can access a real-time video of the Antarctic. You know, um, so that that viewpoint and that level of sophistication for for a general audience or a general population is going to be exponentially greater. Is that a good thing, though? Absolutely, yeah. Because is, we, is, you know, we have to. You know, I think in some ways, I think it's a good thing. I think 
getting to where we are in society these days, in this country especially, um, we have it so well that we are now starting to uh, have the, the ability to focus on a lot of things and, and be triggered or offended by the least likely um, comment or expression uh, by an opposing viewpoint and, uh, you know, lash out um, and try to cancel those people out as quick as possible because we have the freedom to do it now. You Where know? do you feel the media falls in as far as their responsibility? While it's true that we have an absolute, almost unlimited amount of information, what concerns me is, is the accuracy of aforementioned information. Where do you think the media's responsibility should lie? Should there be some sort of and this may sound controversial, but do you think the government should do something? No. So how, how do, as citizens, we properly digest all this information when we, we do know some of it is completely you misleading? Be, you have to be self-responsible. That's Fair enough. A, it's a, a fascinating concept. Fair enough. You know, but for every right that you have as a U.S. citizen or as a, as a human being, you have a responsibility that is commensurate to that right. Mm-hmm. If you have a right to free speech, but you have a responsibility to use it in the right. correct manner. Well, you know, use it without an agenda, right? Uh, correct. I mean, you can, you can, you're free to do whatever you want, um, you know, but you have the responsibility to behave in a civil manner we, by exercising that freedom, you know, and just because somebody doesn't agree with you or doesn't see your viewpoint doesn't mean that you now have to cast stones at that person. Right. Um, because that now... It doesn't. It's a two-way street. They may not agree with you, and you don't want them to cast stones at you because they don't. They just don't agree with you. You know, you have to understand that for every right you have, you have a responsibility. True. And if you're willing to give up those rights, or or I should say, if you're willing to give up those responsibilities, then you're willing to give up those rights. Simple as that. If somebody that's you know, I I I, I try to explain this to my own kids when. Uh, my children were young, okay, I got to make all the decisions. The reason I did was because I bared the brunt, I paid the cost for every one of those choices that were made because they could not make them themselves because they couldn't bear the price. As they got older, they got to make more decisions because they got to bear more of the consequence, more of the price of those decisions. And and conversely, as they got older and older, now they're, old, they're adults, they have their own kids, I can't tell them anything. I can give them advice, but I can't tell them anything because I no longer bear the responsibility of any of those choices or decisions. But the same goes as a person in the country, in a civilization, you know, in the United States, I have a right and I have a responsibility. And if I have a special interest group that's willing to take that responsibility over for me, it means that now I no longer have the right to exercise it in the proper manner. In the way that I feel, you know, let's say, for instance, um, you know, you have those special interest groups that are wanting to police TV and wanting to make sure your children only watch certain programming. Mm. Look, I've said this before and I'll say it a thousand times. I've raised my kids. Okay, I've never asked the teachers to raise them. I've never asked the postman to raise them. I've never asked the neighbors to raise them. I raised them. And I raised them in accordance to what my beliefs were and my moral values, okay? If my children were to ever look outside of my front door to you or anyone else as a role model, then I'm clearly not doing my job as a parent. I'm not, as a public figure, I am not your child's role model. 
I'm my children's role model, but not yours, because you should be your children's role model. No one else should be. And if your child sees me doing something that's in accordance with what you've taught them, then they should, you know, know from your values that it doesn't suit what you've taught them to be and not look to me to now be the person that leads them through their life. Never should your children look outside the front door for somebody else to be a role model. And you should be responsible. If there's something on TV you don't like them watching, turn the channel. Mm. Or make them get up and do it. You know? And watch it with them. I, that's, if my children are going to be screwed up and they're going to have to go to therapy, I want to be the responsible party. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody else to be. Simple as that. And the same goes, though, for your rights with government. You know, you're going to have those rights. You're going to have those responsibilities. If somebody goes, hey, don't worry, we'll take care of your responsibilities, guess what? Now you don't have any say in the rights. Right. Isn't that what's happening right now, though? Of course it is. Okay. Because everybody wants to be a victim now. No one wants to have self-responsibility. Right. Everybody wants to blame, uh, and this is a very hot topic, but everybody wants to, you know, Oh, the president this and the president... Listen, those people in power do not care about you. Period. They don't. I agree. And and you think that putting a different man or a different... Or a female, doesn't matter, male, female, put a different human being in an office as president is going to change your life? It ain't. Not going to happen. It's still the private barbecue. You change your life. They don't do anything for you. Period. And, and if you think they do, ask yourself a couple questions. One, who in their right mind, who in their right mind spends $50 million on a campaign to get a job that pays them $174,000 a year? Mm. Mm-hmm. You don't think there's another agenda there? Of course. You don't think they're going to be making that money back somewhere? Of course. Well, well, then why are we letting them do it? And why are we continuing to allow them to literally BS us? Listen, pro wrestling and politics are both a complete work. And in both of them, we have gotten to the point with such hubris that we think that we can sit there and tell our audiences respectively, hey, it is work, and you're still going to buy a ticket to see the show. Right. That's like a magician standing up on stage, sawing a woman in half, and going, hey, don't worry, guys. I got the legs of this other girl through the bottom, and this other girl's up here with her knees tucked. I'm not touching any one of them with this saw. And we're just expected to go, oh, yeah, okay. I'll just accept it. And we do. It's funny. The United States of America was built on, right, you know, bring us your weak and you're hungry. You're and, tired, you're but poor. On the, you know, but on the other hand... You know, now we're saying let's we'll take care of you. We'll be the government. We'll control you. We'll take care of you. We're moving because away from ta- our capitalist society because they're to becoming taking, a socialist society. They're taking your responsibilities. So when they take your responsibilities, guess what else they're taking? Your freedom. They're taking your rights. That's right. Simple as that. No matter what the issue is, if somebody is willing to pay the bills for you, if someone is willing to handle your responsibilities. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not politics. That's real life. Then they get to have the say. They get to hate. They have the right to tell you what to do and when to do it and how to do it because they're the ones that are paying the bills. But do you think today's youth, like beyond us or, uh-huh. you know, maybe Gen Xers or whatever, do you think they're more socially aware about human rights maybe a little more than the three of us at our age? I think so because they're more, you know, Again, there's more access to more information in regards to that. 
You know, and as far as the media is concerned, all, the media has never been uh, a, a, a point of dissemination of information. You know, don't fool yourselves. The media has always been a business. You know, if you're on TV, if you're even if you're a news station or your news your news segment, you're on TV to draw ratings. You're on TV to draw ratings to garner advertising dollars. You know, if you're selling newspapers, whether you're you're there to report information, you're there to report news. Yes, but you're there to sell newspapers because if you don't sell newspapers, newspaper business goes out of business, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't get to report the news. So. First and foremost, always remember that what you're watching is not 100% real. It is a business. What you're reading is not 100% real. It's a business. You know, it are points of information, but you should take your own responsibility because you have the right to do it and access your, you know, and, and do your homework and access your own points of information as well. And then get enough to where you can conjugate some kind of an educated opinion whenever you decide to voice it in a public forum. So, call me crazy, but I don't call you crazy. Logical I mean... <laughs> and I thought we were talking about wrestling, but we got all that. Listen, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we go whichever... Show, how are you holding up with COVID? How's everything going? <laughs> oh, my God. Our, Back to arm bars, please. Yeah. Jimmy's the uh, star of the show. He's going to hit you I with am? something called the juice. The juice? So, in case the that juice sounds, doesn't know... That sounds kind of weird. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> Brought me out to Long Island and have some man hit me with the juice. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's great. It's not that's that great. juice. Um, <laughs> is that bottle full or empty? So, yeah. he's going to hit you with Can't that, and then uh, oh, we'll get God. into some questions. Questions, all right? Sure, yeah. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen out there, once again. And by again, the way, not to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. There was some great commentary, and I, yes. I could not agree with you more. I would have loved to have you mention about speciesism in this country, where right? we talked about animals, dogs, cats. It seems like we have no problem what? taking down statues of history, right. but we have people that put our animals yeah. and make them fight each other for yeah. their own worth and greed. Yeah. And but that's not brought. We we take those people and we honor them because they went to jail and did their time, and now they're making twenty five million dollars a year on ESPN. But let me not go further. Than that. <laughs> I know. Uh, 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 go ahead. Uh, you can't address yeah. all the issues. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. I know. We know. get into the universities and how they're writing history. But I do think, you know, not to belabor the point, but I do <laughs> think because of the country we live in and the, and the you know, the wealth that we do live in, um, it gives us a certain amount. Well, let's, let's put it this way. Um, Survivor is a television show here. Hmm. And people that on Survivor do things on the television show to win a game. Right. That's how a lot of the rest of the world lives. Because this country is based on that. Win. Well, Make, yes. Win. You're a capitalist. You're a capitalist. He did, yes, I'm a I capitalist. Very He's much. a capitalist. Absolutely. We're here to win. I am. Yeah. Right? But again, we're also God's creatures, right? We have to take care of each other. When right. I mean God's creatures, I'm talking about human beings, animals, birds, cats, dogs, lizards, snakes, whatever they're going to be. Sure. Right? So we can't pick and choose this agenda of what works for us at this time. Right? No, we can't, but most people do. So. Thank you. Oh, the media seems anyway, extremely selective to me. I'm sure the fans are watching. I just they don't want to hear, they don't wanna hear you juice. rant about your political idealism. So. Yeah, you and your. I sit out. here and nod for a few minutes, and they don't want to hear my take. Thanks a lot, <laughs> you big windbag. Anyway. Fair how is about- such an idealist. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, anyway, folks. Let's have our weekly dose of a big glass of juice. Ladies and gentlemen, our esteemed guest this fine, rainy, yeah, fine, rainy Saturday afternoon. 
born Alan Ray Sarvin on July 18, 1963. Yeah. He's an American professional wrestler, as we know, actor, professional wrestling trainer, promoter, and of course, better known by the ring name Al Snow. Best known for his in-ring work in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I can hear Jim Cornette right now. Extreme Championship Wrestling, World Wrestling Entertainment, of course. He's held various backstage uh, you know, positions and uh, has worked for multiple professional wrestling promotions. Uh, also worked as a road agent for TNA Total Nonstop Action, now known as Impact, of course, from 2010 to 2017. Wow, I never held the job that long. Nice job. And he's also, of course, the owner of Ohio Valley Wrestling. Everybody out there knows that the Pharaoh is a huge ECW fan. This is a very special moment for me personally. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest... Al Snow. Yes, Al Snow, baby. Doesn't it feel anticlimactic after going through all of that uh, stuff? Oh, yeah, boy. I'm I tell telling you. We trained you already. Yeah. yeah. Al Snow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts of the state of professional wrestling? Yeah, let's go. The state of professional wrestling? Yeah. Today, uh, this day, the state of professional wrestling. How do you feel about it? Well, that's a that's another loaded question. Go for um, it. It's a, uh, there is more athletic ability that is in professional wrestling now than it's ever been in the history of of the uh, sport um, ever. But I think that uh, the true art form of professional wrestling uh, is, is being lost um, due to the fact that the entry into professional wrestling has become so accessible and easy and um, the proliferation of uh, training schools uh, around, literally around the world, um, has led itself to where you have a lot of the blind leading the blind, leading the blinder, um, and has created the degradation of what the real art of professional wrestling is. What is the real art of professional wrestling to Al Snow? <laughs> it's not to me. That, that this is an, op- an opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the real art of professional wrestling is to work an audience. The term work is not someone's physical capabilities, which is what now it is being attested to. Uh, to work an audience is to basically perform a con uh, to make an audience believe a lie. And the only lie about professional wrestling is is that we are actually trying to win and not lose a competitive contact combat combat sport um, that's not the case anymore um, the belief is withheld held in in wrestling circles that it is now about that the wrestling business has changed meaning we no longer are trying to sell an audience on the belief of a competitive situation. We're trying to sell them on what we physically can do. So we're no longer selling the who of the person and we're no longer selling the why, we're simply selling the what. And nothing could be further from the truth. That's never changed, it never will change. The wrestling business has evolved, it's grown, which it's, it's evolved over the last 100 years. Since the 1920s, it's continued to evolve style-wise. Um, uh, uh, athleticism-wise, it has been, but we've always sold the who and the why, and now we have deviated so far from that to where the performers strictly tried to sell simply the what they do. 
So that being said, do you think it was a wise investment on your end to purchase Ohio Valley Wrestling? Yeah, I, I think so. We're yeah. uh, we're doing great. Um, you know, I we are the only state accredited trade school for uh, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, and broadcasting in the world. It took us about a year and a half to get that accreditation um, from the state office of proprietary education, which is the office that oversees uh, universities, colleges, trade schools in uh, the state of Kentucky. And it wasn't wasn't easy to get. We're now with the television program as of this week. Um, we have on six ma- national networks, six different national networks for an access of a total of about 150 million homes. Um, we are uh, on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Amazon Prime uh, internationally, and uh, we're in 22 con- 27 countries on Roku, and on Amazon Fire and Amazon Prime, 220 co- countries. Um, we are just now on um, a sp- all sports European sports channel called Sports International, that gives us the potential access of another 690 million homes worldwide. So, um, yeah, I mean it's. Is it easy? Is it challenging? It's, it is, and it's very tough t- these days to try to re-educate existing uh, talent to perform in the manner that I would like them to perform. Um, please understand, I'm not, I'm not a guy who tells them what to do exactly in the ring, physically or anything. I just simply um, tell them to adhere to the fact that whatever they do, it has to, I'm one, I should never ask why. I should never my I should never be sitting there as an audience member as just a wrestling fan and go why why would they do that why are they doing that it, within the context of trying to win and not lose if I'm asking a question why that's happening you've lost me right. and I believe that the general audience is the same way if they are sitting there asking why why are they doing that I don't understand or why is the referee not counting them out or why is the referee allowing them to do things that are clearly not within the rules? Then we're done. We, you know, I, I, I'm not, you've lost me and I'm not going to follow the story. If there was a story at all. Um, so that's all I ask them to do is not to do that. Even something as simple as please don't knock the person down to the mat and bend over and pick them back up. Unless you've done something within a, that explains to me that you're now trying to beat the guy up as opposed to beating him because there's something happened within the, the story of the match. Then I can go, oh, I get it. Well, that might cost him. You know what I mean? But don't just knock a guy down and then bend over and pick him back up so you can knock him back down again because mm-hmm. you've literally put him to the very place that you could beat him and now you've turned around and picked him back up. That don't make any sense. So it's just that's that kind of stuff. Do you feel OVW can get into a range of like an AEW or, you know, get a portion of the WWE fan base? And I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, I feel that uh, almost all companies these days, I think, really, um, I know AEW does. I know that uh, Ring of Honor does. I know Impact. And, and I'm not, please don't misunderstand. I'm not disparaging anybody for doing it. Um, but I think primarily they, they their product and their approach, they market to a wrestling fan audience, strictly a wrestling fan audience. And I am consciously trying to market towards a general audience as much as possible. Mm. So, you know, those are two different ways of, two different approaches. And uh, 
you know, I think what we do in OVW appeals to a wrestling audience. Um, uh, and I think, but I think also if you're the average person flipping through the channels and you see what we're doing there, that I've, the biggest compliment I've gotten is that I've had people that, one, were never wrestling fans, and two, that were casual ones that have come or watched the show and then were like, you know what, I really enjoyed this because, and this was the statement, I could sit down and I could pick up on what everybody was doing, who they were, uh, why they were doing it, what was at stake, and I could follow the stories like that. And that, for me, is the biggest biggest compliment I could get. You know, the last thing I ever want is for you to come in and be sitting there and just be confused and be like, I don't, I don't know who to cheer, I don't know who to boo, I don't, I don't know who to, you know, want to be. I, I, I just don't, I can't follow this, and that. I see happening more and more these days with other uh, styles or other approaches, and that's what I want to try, that pitfall I want to try to avoid for us. How do you feel about spot fests? Because that's also been part of the, the change in pro wrestling over the years. Of course, there's this increased athleticism. How do you feel about all these moves that in the old days would have clearly been finishers? Well, and I love occurring I, in the first minute. Of hey, the listen, match. I appreciate athleticism. I, I sure. think that the, I, and I think. You know, uh, the moves and things like that are fantastic. I just don't think that... I think that it's a, it's a big mistake to um, to do it just to do it. Um, you know, and that's, what I, that's where we get back to. They're selling what they do, okay? They're not selling it for why they do it. Is the and psychology it, gone in this business? It's, it's, uh, definitely, uh, it's definitely being uh, thrown to the wayside. Um, and a lot of it is because, you know, the, the, the general, general, general opinion is, oh, the wrestling business has changed. Uh, back to what we were talking about where the performers will tell you, or they've told me, they'll, you know, well, it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, fans, they don't care about that stuff anymore. They don't care about, the, you know, why. Oh, they want to see his cool moves. They want to they mm. see what you do. And I'm like, okay, and I always have four questions. And you guys can, if you have a you know a different viewpoint, you can you know feel free to tell me, and I, because I'm a reasonable man. Oh, Farrow will. I'm uh, question one. It's like I'm the windbag. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, brother. First question. Okay, yeah. if what what you say is true, hmm. that the wrestling business has changed. Okay. That the the audience, the average person, no longer cares about the win and losing thing. They just want to see you do cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it, it, that, that that's not the case. Okay, but if that's the truth, okay, why am I paying commentators to sit at ringside and basically verbally try to tell a story about how you two are competing against each other and selling it like it's a sporting event? Where's the investment? Go but on. Don't, don't yep. you think that is also part of the fans' problem? No. Like, look, we, you were a lifelong wrestling fan now? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. You went to Madison Square Garden, or where was the arena? You well, to to? I grew up in Ohio. Okay, so, so in Ohio, you, which events did where you go? Where the Cavaliers played, NW- probably. You went to NWA events, or? Uh, eventually, when I was older, but the, the original Sheik's territory was in Ohio. Okay. So. Okay. So we grew up on WWE, or we're yeah. homeless for mm-hmm. WWE. Of course. Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund, Don Morocco. Sure. Great Greg matches, Valentine. Right, Greg Valentine. Yeah. Always forget my favorite guy. Those matches couldn't hold up now. What? Right? Not style-wise, oh, no, they can't. They can't. The, the oh. psychology of them, yes. Yes, but the, the, the everything leading to the match. Yes, yes, but and, and, and I'm not debating that. Do you okay? find those old classic matches boring? Not I at don't. All. I don't. But 
We, okay. We're from a different era. We're from okay. A different time. But today's fan would, would say, forget it, I'm out. They might. You know, some of them would have an appreciation for it, certainly. Right. Some would, would be moving too slow for them. Sure. And you've got to understand that I'm not debating that, that you know, the style has evolved. and always has. When and Back in the 1900s to the 20s, probably 20, in mid-20s, um, it was, they were called grunt and groaners. In uh, some style, and you got to understand too. Back in the regional days of territories, there were guy all different territories had different styles, different approaches. Yes. Um, yes. So the grunt groaners would grab a hold and they'd hold it and hold it and hold it, and then they'd you know eventually work their way out of it into something else and stay. You know, it was very static. And then you had um, the Indian wrestlers, the Palwani, who came in and they started chain wrestling, which was where there were lots of now it was switches, reversals, counters takedowns, you know, escapes. Um, and is there, there is was Antonio Rock at the beginning of the high-flying kind of guys, like the uh, early 60s? There was before that. Okay. There were guys that were well before that. Really? That, yeah, okay. probably starting in the 50s, because that was where the transition became again, where uh, Buddy Rogers was um, instrumental in creating what was called sequencing, which is where in what you guys call high spots, which was three or four moves strung right. together, because prior to that... It was the guys would only do one or two or, at the most, three at a time. But usually it was just one or two moves, and then they'd stop. Okay. And then one or two moves, and then they'd stop. And then Buddy was one of the first ones to really use sequencing, which was where it was tackle, drop down, leapfrog, hip toss. And he moved through five or six or seven moves into mm-hmm. an exclamation point, look like you were trying to beat the person, and then work their way back into where they go into a sequence of moves that again. That being the genesis, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, you got Randy Macho Man Savage writing compositions regarding a match. Move by move by move by move. Yeah. yeah. And Amazing. that, you know, um, and, um, you know, that, uh, it, it's just evolved. It's, it's you know, to where it is today. But we have, the problem is, is that uh, even back in that day, that it was still about, we're, you're doing the sequencing to gain and then maintain an advantage to try to win. And now it's just the moves themselves, mm. you know, that um, sometimes inadvertently the performer um, basically buries the very thing that he just did because he's done one big move, the guy gets right back up like nothing ever happened, and then does another big move, and then get another guy gets right back up and like nothing ever happened. And then all of a sudden that guy that was having things done to I call it light switch wrestling, where it's click, Okay, you get your offense, and now immediately I'm going to stand up like nothing ever occurred, and click, I'm fine, and I get my offense, and I'm going to do a bunch of big moves. Now click, you get your offense, and you do a bunch of big moves. Then click, I get some. Click, you get some. Click, I get some. We go home. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's it doesn't work because it doesn't. It's no longer like a real sporting event anymore. There's no one person that looks weaker and is like they're struggling to get back in the race you can't cheer somebody on because they never look like they're near almost about to be beat because they're too worried that they'll look weak and that they have to stand back up and do their moves you know and and again to that point if uh you know answer the 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 first question was the commentator second question is why am i paying a referee to be in the ring with you if what you say is true that the audience gets it, they know, and just so everybody understands, everybody's known since 1920, okay? In 1976, when I was 12 years old, and I proclaimed that I wanted to be a professional wrestler, and I love them all dearly, but none of them were Menza candidates, 
okay, and none of them were professional wrestlers, but every one of my family members all proclaimed to me, why would you want to do that? That's fake. Well, that takes care of that question, that right? That question. So how did they know? Oh, my God. Because wait a minute, wait a minute. Wrestling's fake? Yeah. I'm Farrow, Farrow just fake. found that out what right this, this moment Rec- right now. Way, way to go, Al. Oh, come on, man. Sorry, Pharaoh. Dream crusher. Right, with that, Farrow we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with WWE go. ECW superstar, Mr. Al Snow. i got to go cry. I'll be right back. Mm. Wrestling's fake? Oh, my God. That's right, folks. K9 Corral. For all your dog daycare and overnight care, call 631-549-1544. That's 631-549-1544. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. (sighs) Well... For all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude. Good fucking wine. Yeah. Take it easy, Typhoid Mary. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty and Faro seen only here at Indie Music TV with a special Saturday edition with... WWE and ECW superstar Mr. Al Snow. Very engaging conversation, my friend. Thank you so much. Question three and four? Question three. As a promoter, if what you say is true, everybody all knows they're in on the rib. They know it's a work. They they don't pay to believe in it anymore. They just want to see you do your cool stuff. I get it. Then why am I buying championship belts for you to work up your way up a competitive ladder to become the champion of something if nobody nobody believes in that and nobody's buying a ticket to see it speaking of that the mm. importance of a championship belt yeah i mean look please we got different sections in wrestling where it got really big then it kind of shrinks up and big sure. and we're in a covid era now we know what's going on but yeah when they felt they had to turn over these belts mm. even though it was doing well for ratings and everything else it killed the Huge intercontinental Killed champion the worth fans. of the belt. Right, loved it to death. Yeah. That that belt is belt is useless. I, I it kills me. Yeah, it's uh, it, it again though. That's the, you know, if you don't place it like it's a competitive ladder, being you know to where because used to that intercontinental championship was like it was the next step just below the world heavyweight title. You know, now it's just ah, they're they're a prop and we'll throw it on so and so and. Your opinion you know, on fifty-fifty booking, because I believe that's what ruins the belts. I do. I believe it ruins matches. Yes, you know, it ruins I, I, characters. Yeah, it ruins characters. Credibility. You, you need to people need to uh, people need to at certain times look certain ways, um, and uh, and you know do certain business. Um, if I'm going to book you as the next heavyweight champion, I need you six months ahead of time wrestling like you are the heavyweight champion. So that when I finally shoot the angle 
to where you're going to wrestle the heavyweight champion, no one in the audience goes, what? They all go, yes, here's our chance. Finally. We're going to see somebody that might be able to take the belt off, yes. even if even if the babyface is the champion. Well, oh, my God, now the babyface is in trouble because this guy clearly could be the next heavyweight champion. You know, he's a threat. There's that. That's called heat. Heat's not what the wrestlers think today, that it's a it's a step in a match that they've been taught, that stupid seven-step formula. Seven-step formula. Um, oh or God. it's the heel's offense. That's not heat. Heat's a want. It's a need. It's a desire. And you, the art of professional wrestling is telling a story within the context of a competitive situation and creating heat in that story by teasing the audience with something they want and then taking it away. Right. Making them want it, making them think they're going to get it, and at the last second taking so, it away. NWA theory, WWE theory, or WWF, we just say WWE. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon's theory, babyface champion. Yeah. Churn in the and bad that just guys. depends on that depended which, on the territory. But which do you feel which was the are the NWA theory bad guy champion Back faces the chasing the bad guy? Well, the which difference was the, the, there was a, there was a big difference between the two, not in babyface and heel, but in the fact that. In back in the day, you had a traveling champion for the NWA. Right. Okay. In the, in WWF, you had a promotional champion that stayed within the promotion, and you saw them on a very frequent basis. So it worked better for a longer run to have your babyface, your champion, be the babyface in a promotional situation to fight off different challenges, the heels and the nefarious heels that would come in, as opposed to you had a traveling champion that really in some territories came in and was the babyface. Mm. And in some territories was, of course, the heel, you know. Um, it just varied. But, you know, that was, you had to have a the cha- traveling champion that really knew how to really adjust and adapt to each in different environment. Um, because e- each city, each night, each audience is going to be different. And in a promotional situation, a lot of times it's better to, you know, put that belt on. You know, in WWF it worked. It was, you know, they had babyface champions had longer runs. Um, we in, it. In AWA, <laughs> Backlund. you know... Uh, you know, Vern put the belt on Nick Bockwinkle for years. And About five. <clears throat> and yep. was able to, you know, maintain it as a draw as well. Right. So, you know, no, that, he didn't, he didn't have as big a, of a map to cover as NWA, AWA, right? Uh, no, because NWA was not a promotion. NWA was an association of promoters. Mm. Right. You know. Right. Um, and Understood. So if you were the world heavyweight champion for the NWA, I mean, you were... You know, Flair was out there traveling 250 days a year. Right. Because all those promoters wanted him because the title actually, the world title actually sure. meant something was a draw and it would bump up the houses. And you'd when see the champion them WCCW. So you see you're, Florida you're, Championship Wrestling. So, so you're saying the Georgia. NWA champion was like an Andre the Giant or Bruiser Brody, like that traveling. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Oh, yeah. They, you know, you know and, and if you were a, part, were a promoter in the NWA, you wanted access to that champion. Mm. You know, AWA was a promotional champion. Uh, you know, WWF champion was a promotion champion. NWA was a was an actual, I mean, traveling world champion. So, my last question for the performers out there who actually believe that wrestling has changed and that it's not about winning and losing and they don't care and 
you know, we just I just asked the question of why, you know, why do I have a referee in the ring anymore? Because you're not going to you're going to ignore him anyways, and you're, you're going to do stuff right in front of him. Mm-hmm. You're going to make him useless. Mm-hmm. You know, he has no real authority, and if he has no real authority, you can't generate any real heat. But my biggest question to guys out nowadays, guys and girls, is if what you tell me is true, then why do you get the boo-boo face when I ask you to lose? Ah. You get boo-boo face, huh? Oh, they they get the big pouty it's lip. Boo-boo face. Because you know what? There's credibility in winning. And well, no, there's not. not you a can't course, have right. it both ways now. He's got him. You're right. He's well, got him. You can't tell right. me that, hey, it's that, that the fans don't care and they're, they're only here to see the cool moves. And I can ignore the referee, and I can just, and then I can just get up after you've given me thirty-two big moves and act like it never happened, because then I, because the only reason I'm going to give you thirty-two big moves is so that it looks like I have a chance of winning, and you're in trouble, and you might lose. But if you just stand up, well, that all goes away. But now you're going to wrestle like that. But now when I ask you to lose, you're going to get upset and be like hurt, and you're going to oh, you're trying to bury me. No, I'm not. J- just out of curiosity, yeah. how high is the percentage of boo-hoos coming from this up-and-coming crew? Oh, there are plenty of... So what are you saying, 80, 85% of them go boo-hoo when they oh, told they're yeah, going to lose them? This is terrible. What a bunch of whiners. Well, you, what, you know, Get out there and do your when job. You're booking, like, uh-huh. You even lost right. the, the effect of the count-out or the DQ. Whenever I see a match yeah. go to a DQ, the fan's like, ridiculous. This, well, is, because this, is, this is the way you're supposed to be dragging everybody back, right? Yeah, correct. That's to create heat. Yeah. And in, in, I... I, and I, I Again, it's not my circus, not my monkeys, so I, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I saw, uh, uh, was watching it briefly because I don't, I really, honestly don't get much of a chance to watch anymore. But um, was watching uh, a show, um, and they had uh, the like the main event was going to be uh, it was a, a Falls Count Anywhere match with uh, AJ Styles and uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They had shot the angle. They had done the whole thing, right? Three matches, three matches prior to the Falls Count Anywhere match, mm-hmm. which is basically you know that the action can spill out of the ring and you know it can f- happen. You know sure. anything goes. Yep. I basically see all three matches prior to this fight on the floor repeatedly <laughs> for extended periods of time. What? I'm not making this up. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Fight on the floor every match, not just one, every match. That's brilliant. Okay, and then Oy. after the AJ Styles, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, I see a match with Roman Reigns and I think Samoa, and they did big, more bigger and more impactful stuff in an attack on the floor right. than they did during the match that was supposed to do stuff on the floor. Oh, boy. And every match today, okay, it, for just crit- my little my criticism – is that every match today is it takes a formulatic approach, and they follow a seven-step formula. Um, they either follow the seven-step formula, or they do the light switch wrestling. Oh, I'm good. Okay, I'm bad. Okay, I'm good. Okay, I'm bad. Mm. And then, and they all go to the floor. So now, if I've seen ten matches, and every match has had false finishes, which aren't false, because the only way that a false finish can be a finish, false finish, is if you really. Somebody kicked out of your actual established finish. Right. That's when it's false. Because we thought for sure. You were done. Yeah. Not, right. well, he just hit a big move and covered him. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's not a false finish. That's you hit a big move and covered him. He kicked out and people reacted. But that they didn't really believe because a false finish would be, oh, Jake, Snake, Jake Roberts 
hit a hundred people with the DDT, beat a hundred people clean with the DDT. He DDT'd this guy, and the guy kicked out at th- two and three quarters. Right. That's where people go, oh my God, I can't believe it. Right. That's where it's false because it was they thought it was an actual finish. Right. So if every match has that, every match has fights on the floor. Everybody ignores the referee. So well, how do you explain that a veteran like Shawn Michaels, I know you're not really watching the product. Yeah, but I'm not. No. Recently, Randy Orton, I guess the old kick to the face that he uses is one of the top, the punt. Yeah. Shawn Michaels no sold the punt. According and to this Sean, is a veteran. I, I wasn't, we both didn't feel kind of, yeah, that right. that was over an overreaction from the marks out there. That yeah. he, Because normally they're knocked cold, unconscious. Right. Shawn dazed struggled pulled himself up on the ropes and fans were mad that he wasn't you know carted out on the stretcher well not there's a portion of the the vocal minority that were upset there were Thank you. the genuine the general fan audience probably loved it and it was a bit of drama right and you can do those things i mm-hmm. mean at, as long as you don't whore it out as long as it's done at the right time for the right reason with the right guy mm-hmm. it helps to build that heat you have those magical moments, you know what I mean? Um, but when it happens, okay, same example. Like when the thing that truly got Mick Foley over was when he took that bump off the cage, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the thing that got him over. It was when they were legit pulling, taking him out on the stretcher, and he got off the stretcher and climbed back up the cage. <sighs> Huge. That's what got him Wow. Over. Yes. But now... How many times have we seen Hell in a Cell matches? In every Hell in a Cell match, it's somebody takes a bump off the top of the cage. Right. And they end up making it a point to not even have a reason to climb up there, and they climb up there anyways, and they take a bump off the cage. Well, now it's meaningless. Well, it's just a big stunt. You're going back to story writing, right? It's the writers. Yeah. Here's, well, it's here's not the writers. Thing. It's the performers. So you say the writers are writing it, the performers are doing what they it, want it, to do? It, listen, once the wrestler walks through the curtain, there is nothing. I cannot emphasize this enough. There's nothing anyone can do to help them, and there's nothing anyone can do to hinder them. Period. It is 100% in their hands. This idea, this idiocy of blaming the writers or blaming Vince is ridiculous. You walk in the ring as a performer, it is your world. It is your canvas, and you can paint that picture any way you want. And the amazing, magical thing about professional wrestling is, is if you... You sell who you are effectively, okay? That's the number one thing, okay? If you sell who you are, then they'll believe in anything you do. I can prove it. I've made an amazing living being able to knock another human being out with a plastic head. (laughs) Now, let me tell you something. Now, this may come as a shock, okay? I'm going to tell you a secret. Okay. I can't really knock anybody out with it. Okay, I can't even knock out a toddler. I've tried. Really? All they do is they fall down and start crying, and their parents start talking about calling the cops and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? You mean they that stick, thing doesn't hurt? Uh, it, it does. Okay. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It'll oh hurt. God, don't. But it does not knock you out. Okay? Right. Tommy Rich got color for it one night. It did not split him open. Okay? <laughs> this is terrible. But I can hit somebody with it, and people will believe it. Right. You know? Right. To this day, right. they will believe it. You know? Because they believed... At that time, they believed in who I was. And, they, mm-hmm. and if you asked nine out of ten people, which, hey, even my psychiatrist would agree, they thought I was insane. So, you know, part of that was because the commitment to what I sold. 
I didn't go on social media and, and stooge it off. You know, social media wasn't as big back then, but, you know, you as a person, so that's like blaming social media and saying it's the problem. Right. No, it's not. It's you using it. The way you use it's the problem. That's the that's the issue. Have you ever been handed a, you know, a plot line beforehand and you thought to yourself, how am I going to make this work? Plenty of times. I mean, come on. If you think back to some of the absurd stuff that Pepper. they had me do... I mean, what'd you do when you first heard about Pepper? And you, you know, you I was like, well, uh, that I was just like, we need trained animals. That, <laughs> that clearly didn't happen. Uh, but you know, they came to me with the the whole idea of the European title, and you know, you're going to rep- go out representing a different country every week, and you know, um, I remember them pitching the idea to me and took me in in Louisville, Kentucky, and had me record what does everybody want, what does everybody need in all these different languages mm. to play cool. as that I went cool. out. That's very cool. And, uh, and at the time, you know, when the first time I went out, I felt, I felt so, I was like, man, this is so stupid. But to this day, I can't tell you the number of people that go out of their way to come back up to me and go, oh, that time you were the European champion was so entertaining. Mm. I, it was so much fun because they were able to, you know, let's face it, I was crazy so they could get away with making me do crazy things yes. that a lot of other characters on the show could not get away with doing. You know, Mick was in the same situation. Yeah. He was crazy, so he could be, yep. you know, when he was Dude Love and he was, you know, he was different characters. And nobody blinked an eye. And they still bought into and believed in who he was, so they believed in what he was doing. You know, he cannot, granted, where he keeps that sock, which is down in the front of the crotch of his pants... I never would want it stuck in my mouth. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it did, I would certainly give up quick so, or pass out. But, you you know, think okay. when you were just wrestling fans, what made you buy a ticket? It wasn't what those guys did. It was who they were. Well, we were invested in the character. And yes, we were. The, and yeah. let's face it, every major star in professional wrestling or literally any form of entertainment are People that you can turn to your friends and family and can describe in a sentence or less. Mm-hmm. Well, name one wrestler today that you can do that with. Well, I'll disagree one point. I think Ooh. the women think about that. still have that character build, in my opinion, right? To, so, to a degree they do, but then they, you know, a lot of, and, and this again is not an, an, an admonishment of them. I know I've always been very vocal about it when I've trained girls. I've trained tons of them. I've always said, don't forget to be a girl. Mm. Okay? You know, that's not a sexist thing. Sure. Okay? Girls do fight different than guys. I mean, they they are, they fight more emotionally. They will cut a promo on you as they're beating you up, you know, um, and where guys will just be punching you, you know what I mean? Um, they're, you Girls still have to retain that, that thing, that femininity quality, as opposed to just being a really adept guy with boobs out there you know what i mean what was your thoughts when ronda rousey came to the w? i thought she was awesome yeah, she was, i yeah. swear to god i think she is the one of the she was such an amazing worker yeah and you know why i mean worker because what she did looked like everything she did was to win right yes yeah. not did it look like she was really punching the guy because what she did physically looked perfect no daylight no nothing but she looked like she was using it to beat 
the person, not just beat them up. And that's what I've been trying to get across during this whole conversation is that w- is what everyone else has departed but that, from. That's where the women have it, right? Sasha Banks cares that she doesn't have her title. Right. Right. There's right. emotion in her face. Right. Like, they still get it, but the men sells. are kind of floating out. Yeah, yeah, that's what sells. It's the emotion in the, it's the why. You, you can never get heat if there's not the why. Yes. You know, if as a heel, okay, as a heel in wrestling, my whole job in wrestling was to give myself the why yeah. to do something. I didn't just go out there and cheat. I didn't. I was able to wrestle, you know, as opposed to nowadays where, according to the first step of the formula, is that the shine where the baby face can out-wrestle the heel, but the, which means the heel is completely inept and can't perform physically at all. He can't do any offense. You know, he can try, but the baby face just does all his stuff. Right. You know, he shines. Mm. You know, which is a ridiculous term, but I could go into that whole thing. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hard right on you, right? Sure. So we're very pro Vince McMahon. Yeah. Some people aren't. I, I listen. We all, everybody who is a wrestling fan and everybody who is in the wrestling business should get down on their knees and say thank you to Vince McMahon, because Amen. if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the business that we have right now. And when he gets back on top, every, the rest of the wrestling business will be back on top again. So I ask you this then. Yeah. Does Vince owe wrestlers like yourself, superstar Billy Graham, Baron, you know, whoever, does he owe them lifetime medical insurance and lifetime pensions? And does he need to pay these guys back more? Or is it, hey, look, you, you're working. You even said yourself, you made a lot of money yeah. hitting people over the head with a head. Yeah. Do, does he owe the ex-wrestler anything? No. No, um, he doesn't. Can he? Could he? And does he? Yeah, he does. And I, you know, he's he's very philanthropic. He's very magnanimous in that regard. He does help people. He does. Can you tell a couple of stories, please? Because we get destroyed over defending who I believe is the greatest thing that ever happened to pro wrestling Amen. in he, so many ways. I'm sorry if you feel that way out there, folks, but too bad. That's my opinion. Yeah, he, he you know, he, he. I have I've heard and seen him. He has taken care of okay. a lot of the boys and a lot of a lot of people. Then and, and you know nobody knows of it. He, he doesn't okay. make it well okay. known. The the you know, but you know if that were the case, then music producers need to you know they owe a debt for the rest of their lives to every uh, every music right. act. Recently, and, uh, we lost Kamala, right? Yeah, yeah. Kamala broke. GoFundMe page. Yeah. A lot of the wrestling experts out there saying, you know, Vince McMahon didn't pay the guy, used him up. Hogan got all the money during the program, blah, blah, blah. Well, because Hogan was the guy that was the draw. Right. I mean, Kamala didn't make good money, I'm sure. Yeah. I have no doubt about it because, who, you know, people that worked with Hogan, you know, they want everybody wanted to work with Hogan because you got better payoffs. Everybody wanted to be on the card, even if yeah. they weren't facing Hogan. In the entertainment industry is 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 not Walmart. Okay, <laughs> it is not a job. You're not hired. You're not fired. Right. You're not employed. Th- th- these are facts. Okay, um, you know, the promoter creates a platform, and this is uh, because I'm one now. It's because I've. This is how I was taught. Promoter creates a platform, uh, TV-wise and etc., and you are the product. You go on the promoter. The promoter decides to take you on because he thinks between the two of you, you guys can make money. Okay? 
He is going to put you on his platform, give you the opportunity to sell yourself and make yourself an attraction. The better and more successful you are at doing that and creating a product that he can then, together with you, capitalize on and profit from and exploit, then that's what you do. The problem is that you're a product. And no matter what the product is, it has a certain shelf life. And then it's that run is done and you've got to figure out another way to reinvent yourself and start again, you know, and get right. another run. Now, with the success that WWE has had, you know, financially it would not hurt them to be able to provide health insurance for the wrestlers, not because of the fact that they have to because they're employees or something like Walmart does, but because of the fact that they're protecting their own investment by making sure that these guys are taken care of if they get hurt or injured or, if, or keep their health up so that they can continue have a longer run and they can make more money off of them down the road. Um, and, you know, and then on the backside, if we as wrestlers, which is never going to happen because we're all too self-centered because we're entertainers, um, do much like the actors have done, and we create like the Screen Actors Guild for wrestling, and we create our own union, you know, that we could then, we would take care of ourselves. And so we have an organization. But why, 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 I understand you say you're egotistical, whatever, but mm-hmm. what's the real reason you, the pro wrestler cannot unionize? Because they don't want to, they don't want to. Why? Uh, because we're all out for ourselves. Because you don't want to be capped, right? You don't want union wages. You want to be able to make as much money well, you as can you humanly s- possibly can, I think, right? I, th- I don't know all the details with the Screen Actors Guild, but I mean... You know there are those actors that are in the Screen Actors Guild that they're not capped. I mean okay. they make they make they negotiate far better deals. Is it just know. out of fear for their personal jobs and and that you know I think initially retribution yeah. would not be pleasant. I'll tell you that. I think initially yeah because you know the the ones that first step up and okay. are going to be the ones that are going to get whacked. You know, um, was Hulk Hogan right or wrong? Back in the day, there was these rumors, of course, and they've been, you know, substantiated mm-hmm. over time, that Jesse Ventura and a few others were going to form a union, and all they needed was Hogan's approval, and because Hulk Hogan said no way, that led to them being, you know, well, in cave, they needed Hogan. Possible. Did Hogan do the wrong thing or the right thing? It's possible, I, you know, as far as him, with, whether or not that did happen. I know that Jesse Ventura's been very outspoken about being wanting a, a union for mm-hmm. a very long time. Mm-hmm. Did it happen? I don't know, because that would be speculation on my part. Right. Uh, was it right or wrong? You know, I, that, again, I, can, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Right. I don't know if it would. I think, and this is my opinion, I think a lot of what we see today that we're talking about with in wrestling um, right now. I think goes back to, and it's not. It's please understand. It's not a bad thing, but it's it's also it's a negative thing in a way for the wrestlers, and that is when we had the creation of the downside guarantee uh, for contracts. So a downside guarantee for those that don't understand or don't know is that for WWE you get a downside guarantee when you brought in, meaning you'll make no less than a certain amount of money. Okay. Well, the problem is for the wrestler, and I don't even think a lot of them realize it. And I th- until they're they're out of it, that it now creates the connotation that you have something to lose. So when you go to the ring, you're now not performing, taking chances to become the thing that will draw money. What is what created a Steve Austin? Was what created a Hulk Hogan? 
It is what created a Roddy Piper. Mm. Is what created a Ric Flair. Oh. Do you understand? Yeah. When you go out there, you're doing everything you can to be uh, the star, the star, not just a star, but you're trying to be the star because you know you're going to make the most money. You understand? But now if you are already making a certain amount, you have something to lose. So now you're performing in a little safer manner. You're not taking those chances on the mic as much as you would normally because you're afraid you'll get heat. You're not taking those chances in the ring. You know, you're more worried that you might miss a spot with a guy who will go back and will bury you to the office for messing up a finish or messing up a high spot. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because Why? you have something to lose. And that downside guarantee is a lot more money than what you'd have ever made anywhere else at any other point in your life. So it, it carries a lot of weight now. So now you're not going to take those risks. Now you're not going to... Not going to take those chances, and we miss those those magic moments that you see the creations of The Rock, you see the creations of Mick Foley, you see the creations of Steve Austin, you see the creations of Hulk Hogan. Rick, those were all born out. Those people weren't contrary to popular belief. Steve Austin was not like when he came in was not set there and you know, hey, we're going to take this guy right to the moon. You understand? He made it his own. He made he during what was what you think is a PG era now compared to the in your house era, that was whitewash, complete PG mm. back then, and for him to go out there and cut a promo where he took a risk of offending the religious section of the audience and cursing, because nobody cursed at all on there, and right. you know, and Vince was not happy about it. So, you know, he took an awful risk. But if he'd already, if he, and he didn't have, back then you, you signed a WWF contract, it was 12 dates at $100 a date, and that was just the TV dates. You weren't guaranteed anything else. Nothing. Just, make just, magic, right? just to get this clear, that, so that infamous moment where Stone Cold said, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Yeah. Vince McMahon was mad. Yeah. Wow. What I've heard, yeah, he yeah. was very, very he interesting. Was not happy about that. Very yeah. interesting. He was not happy about it. They had, he had to, he had to be convinced, you know, by the, a lot of people that you know let him run with it. Ten and years later, Vince is wrestling uh, God. Yeah, with the short and the, I don't. Yeah. I'm but, you confused. Know, it, <laughs> but uh, you know, there is there's there's the upside to it. There's that safety. Yeah. But with that safety becomes something that you now you can lose. So now you're not going to have performers. It, it almost sounds like a pitch count. In a baseball analogy, it's like, uh-oh, you better not throw 120 pitches. You've got to blow out your yeah, arm. You've got to get your contract again, minimals in. To be fair, too, for uh, today's wrestler, you know, we brought this up before. You know, you run an organization and you yeah. hire me to write for you. And I'm like, all right, Al, i got this great idea. Sure. What we're going to do is we're going to have Jimmy. He's yeah. going to have his own spot. Yeah. And we're going to bring this dude from the islands in. He's going to throw some bananas at him, make fun of him, and then hit him with a coconut. You what? ready to go with this? What are you saying? Holy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Yeah. Right. But that, that, that's, really? the, but that's see, there's a saying in the business <laughs> that it's always better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Yeah. And I'll guarantee you that Roddy Piper and Jimmy Stoker didn't ask anybody to do that. I right. guarantee you that there are lots of moments then that you remember to this day that the performer never stood in back and went, hey, I've got this idea. Why don't we? They just went out and did it. Yeah, but my point is people weren't insulted over it. They were angry, and they wanted to see Jimmy kill this guy for what he just did to him. Sure, right? sure it was did. wrestling. Right. If this happened today, you know, 
you would have I don't know advertisers running away from you. Maybe it all depends on how it's done and how the performer does it, and that's the risk of the performer who has to take that shot. You know what I mean? And and he'll either rise to the top, or it'll be something that'll burn him to the ground. When so. a wrestler takes a takes a big uh, shot, and of course he hasn't turned out so great. What was your thoughts when you saw the penis flip from Joey Ryan? Uh, I I thought it was hilarious, and I I thought, you know, <laughs> so good for I, him because he got on. He was he was first really the first professional wrestler who got covered on ESPN right. when he did it. Right. Um, but and you again professional wrestling. Once you get in the ring, it's your canvas. You can do anything you want, but you understand, you're going to do it to a marginalized audience. For instance, um, I, I always tell guys this, and this will explain exactly what I'm talking about. During ECW, and prior to that, because I had a really bad attitude, which was my own fault because I was pointing the finger at everybody but myself, okay? Um, when I was in WWF, I made a smart-ass remark in catering to Cornette about the fact, because everybody had, we were, they were doing the angle where everybody had all these gangs, okay? And uh, I made a comment to Cornette that um, I was going to start my own gang, and I was going to call it the Job Squad. And that was going to be me, Barry Horowitz, Candido, you know, and we're going to be the we're going to be the tough you know the most powerful group in wrestling. He's like, what are you talking about? I go, look, Undertaker goes out there and he tombstones Barry Horowitz, and Barry stands up, dusts off his hair, and walks out. Who had the power in that match? Yeah. Because there were some guys at that time in the company that really thought they were winning, and that you know other guys were really losing. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Wait a minute, right? So it got it caught on in ECW. The guys all loved it there, and they're like, you need to make T-shirts. I go, okay, I finally made T-shirts. But this is when the internet wasn't really, you know, the internet like it is now. It was in its infancy. Okay? It was in then. its infancy. Yes. Okay. And, um, you know, I basically only sold these t-shirts at shows and on the internet. $25 a piece. I sold from May to October about 3,500 shirts. Wow. Nice. At 25 bucks a shirt. I'd say that's pretty good, don't that's you? Great. Yeah. Okay. Are you kidding me? So I signed a contract to go back to WWF. They want to license Job Squad, so I do, right? So here was the problem. They did not know how to market or sell it to an average general audience. It was a idea, a gimmick, that was only if you were a wrestling fan, a smart wrestling fan, did you get the joke. Mm. You got the gimmick of the Job Squad. Now... I, you can make a choice, much like with Joey Ryan. You can make a choice, and you'll be successful. I was successful, obviously. I, I sold three, over 3,000 shirts in a matter of seven months or something like that. So I, I think I did pretty good. Yeah. But do you want to be Job Squad successful, or do you want to be Steve Austin T-shirt successful? Mm. Steve Austin's T-shirts weren't in just Hot Topic. They were in Spencer's Gifts. They were mm. in JCPenney's. They were in right. Lazarus, Macy's. You know, Walmart, Target, they were everywhere. And you get to make the decision based on what you want to do and how you want to perform it will tell will dictate how well you sell to how much of an audience there is for that. So you can go out there and you know, you can go out there and dick flip people all day. But you're only going to be to a marginal line. I love Joey. I know him personally. Okay. I won't book him in OVW. The reason I wouldn't book him in OVW was because, and people asked. They were like, you know, some of the boys, hey, why don't you bring in Joey Ryan? I'm like, I can't. Why not? Well, because 
I'm trying to market to a general audience, and that means Mr. and Mrs. Walmart. They ain't going to dig bringing their kids to a show and watching a guy have somebody grab his dick and throw him across the ring with it. There you go. I said, that's going to turn off a bunch of people. I said, I can't put him on our TV because if I put him on our TV and do that, it's going to turn off a bunch of people. Do you feel the same way about Orange Cassidy? No. I know it's a little different, but he's got the hands in the pockets. Same thing, thing, and it's working for him. God bless him. Good for him. You know what I mean? Find he's not something. for you, though. It, well, it's not that it's not for me. Okay. I'm not booking for me. Understood. I enjoy it. I, I, I like him. Gotcha. I like what he does. It's hilarious. But Go on. If you're, if you're Mr. and Mrs. Walmart, mm. okay, I'm now, we're on six different national networks. As of this past week, we're in 150 million homes nationwide. Okay? You're just, you used to play football in high school. You know, you did a little bit of wrestling. You're about 260 pounds. You're a plumber for a living. You come home, you flip through the channels, and you see this guy who is supposed to be in a competitive combat situation walking right. around with just hands in his pockets. Thank right. you. You're destroying right. the sport. What that's, what it com- that's what it comes but down to. You, but if you can do it if it's done in the right way, and what he looks like he's, they've done with him is the right way. I mean, they've, they've done it. What he needs to wrestle, he does. And he, do, he comes up with creative spots. Again, to be they honest, have presented him. Be pretty, honest with you, well, Al. When you I kick mean. a guy in the shins, like you're barely touching well, that him. too. Yeah, yeah I kind of, <laughs> like, you know, you know, we that could, doesn't we, hurt. We could get into this, but you know. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, yeah. and then we're back with uh, superstar Al Snow. <laughs> Jeff Quest Graphics Design, custom vinyl lettering, and all your art and video needs. Five one six three one seven eight two zero four. That's for Jeff Quest Graphic Design. In the mood for a freshly roasted cup of coffee? www.offtherailscoffeeroasters.com You want to star in your own success? Call QuickCast. www.quickcast.com 866-7-CAST-NOW that's eight six six seven cast now. Quick cast. Start your own success. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro, seen only here out of Indie Music TV and Ron Konkuma. We have a special Saturday edition with special. WWE superstar and ECW superstar ECW. Al Snow, ECW. and owner of OVW. Mm. Let's not forget that. New no. Al. Uh, yeah. Who's the Mount? Who's your Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers? Ooh. Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers. All right. Uh, in terms of draw, just your four. Right, so who's my, the four that best represent well, to you? Hold on, my my Mount Rushmore. It okay. It's not the best wrestler. It's not the one that draw the mo- drew the most money. It's not the best on the mic. It's that combination guy. Oh. Period. So you know we could break it, but who are that? Who's those guys? Those guys, guy, uh, a guy like that would be like a Terry Funk, a um, um, Randy Savage. Okay, um, there's two. Let me think here. We got two. Um, like a Dynamite Kid. Ooh, three. Um, wow. 
Kurt Henning. My, wow, love it. How do you argue with any of those guys? Well, Can't. No, not really. Wait. Jerry Lawler. Wow. Yeah, you don't want to replace Funk with Jerry Lawler. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Older I get, the more I appreciate just how truly talented he is. And if anybody doubts that, oh, no. ask yourself, why does Vince keep him mm. for all these years? Not just on commentary, because you got to understand, okay? And think, whenever Vince needed a heel to get heat, he put Jerry in the ring. And no one, no one, not even you, ever questioned, hey, wait a minute, he's a commentator. What's he doing in the ring? Never. Right. Never. Right. Not once. Right. And if you needed a baby face to get over, he'd come in as the heel. He'd get the guy over. Not once did anyone in the audience go, hey, wait a minute. Why is a commentator getting in the ring and wrestling? Not to mention it's WWE guys, right? Through the magazines, we always knew how important Jerry Lawler was to this he, industry. I mean, think about I mean, and Jerry Lawler, in the run that he had. Listen, in Memphis, wrestling? they sold out the Memphis Mid-South Coliseum, guys, every Monday night. 52 weeks in a row for five years straight. That's astounding, you know, to be able to talk and to be able to continuously generate in the same town every week a sellout of that magnitude is insane. I mean, 52 weeks a year. And the heat so. that he generated with the Kaufman thing? Come on, this guy was breaking barriers way oh, yeah. before so many others. I mean, he, you know, you know, Jerry's a he's a freaking genius. Yeah. He really is. My last question is, mm-hmm. to you is, how do you keep yourself in such great shape? Uh, and I, 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 <laughs> I wish I was... Know. Did you ever hit the juice? Oh. What's that? Did you ever hit the juice? Well, I do testosterone replacement therapy now because I'm, I'm 57. I'm talking like maybe some human growth hormones back in the day. You know, back in the day when Warrior was running around <laughs> shaking no. mouths and shit I like know, that. Uh, <laughs> no, I did, uh, I did do some do the juice, as you want to call it. A little while, one time, time it was in my 40s, because uh, um, well, I, I've talked about it before. I've had a couple strokes oh. um, years ago. Dear God. Uh, and I had atrophy down this whole side. That's how I found out about it. Oh, um, was I thought I had a pinched nerve, and they were like, well, it can't be a nerve. Um, you might have, <laughs> what they say, <laughs> it was something crazy, like uh, you might have... M- m- um, multiple sclerosis or something oh, and then they're like oh no you just had a couple minor strokes i'm like oh well good oh, you just i go strokes, is, is that is that gonna get worse they go no i go is it gonna get better they go no okay. i go well it's, that's better than the other one so <laughs> right but they said they would right. treat it with steroids so i i i took them uh for a period of time to try to offset the atrophy down this side of my body and um uh, but other and i but i take a small dose of testosterone because I'm 57 years but old. How are you now. keeping yourself in such great shape, though? Uh, quite honestly, I just I years several years ago I stopped working out like a bodybuilder. I tell people this all the time because I have guys who will you know some of the boys be like, hey, yeah, what's you know, and they all expect me to tell them some yeah. drug, some t- secret drug or something, <laughs> and I go, here's what I'm doing, and they're like, and then I never hear from them again, and it's like. So I like stop bullshitting. <laughs> like he's, he's <laughs> three bowls of rice a day. And I'm like, I do bubble. tell the truth. <laughs> when I you actually, showed up on TNA, I lost it. That was not doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But I saw, I was like, what the? You even called me like Al Snow looks huge. Well, because I, I, I literally I went. I had a, a short time muscle fitness had this strongman workout. Whew. So I got really fascinated with, 
you know, training like a strongman. So I went back and I Googled like old time strongmen and old time wrestlers. Right. And it's like the 1800s and 1900s. Like really. Like far Farmer high. Burns? Farmer Burns. Nice. And if you, if, listen, yeah, go Google George Hackenschmidt. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you see a picture of him, and I, I was like, whatever this guy is doing, because they didn't have steroids then, so yeah. you can't make that claim. Right. He didn't know calories, didn't know, didn't know protein, didn't know nothing. Built like a brick house. Million bucks. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna start doing that. Yep. Nice. So I literally, yep. I started. I got these all these old training manuals off the internet of guys, George Hackenschmidt and guys like that, and I, I just started training like that. Look at you. And that's quite honestly, like, that's what I do. I, uh, you know, I, I, I have not done a bench press in probably, <laughs> God knows how many years. Really? Yeah. It's it's a it's He's an ego it's an ego lift. And when are you in real life ever going to lay like this and do this? Unless hey, you're underneath a car. Hey, you, you know what? That me. sucks, man. You said it. You're right. It is an ego lift. It's right. like, oh, let me see what I can push off my chest. Now, if I'm going to do any type of press, I'll do I'll do dumbbell presses and right. things. Yeah. But I won't take a straight bar and do that because it's going to use the least amount of the musculature that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's all it's going to do is put most of the force on my joints and my shoulder and my elbows. I'm not going to, you know, what, oh, you like a bench press 400 pounds. Okay, big deal, uh, you know. But I, you know, I'll do, I'll do, pu- I do tons of push-ups. Um, if I want to do, you know, like I said, if I want to do anything, I'll do that with uh, dumbbell presses, things like that. But I use kettlebells. I use uh, Indian clubs. I use mace. Cardio? Uh, no, I no don't cardio. because I. What I try to do is I try to do all functional or all. Uh, um, Combination lifts like deadlifts, squats, uh, you know, push-ups, things like that. And I'll either use the Tabata method, um, or I'll, uh, or I'll do um, sometimes. Like I created this, it's a 30-minute challenge, which is I used to do it on the, when I would be on the road on a regular basis. Um, and that is, you'd start out, you do 10 free squats, you do 10, uh, you do 10, because uh, usually it has a hotel gym, it's got always up to a 50-pound dumbbell. So you do five rows on your right side, ten push-ups, five rows on your left side. You do inverted uh, shoulder presses for ten. Then you stand up and you do dumbbell curls uh, for ten, alternating dumbbell curls for ten. So that's one round. You try to do ten rounds in 30 minutes or less. If you get, get, you know, the best I've ever done is 14 one time in uh, 30 minutes. So that means I did 100 squats, I did 100 push-ups, I did 100 rows, I did 100 shoulder presses, and I did 100 curls. You know, and you do that in 30 minutes. You're sweating, you're breathing, your heart rate's up. Wow. And um, I could probably smoke about five cigarettes while he's working out. That's about a half Or, you know, the old, I, I, just My the last couple going. days, I haven't done this in ages. Um, I take two decks of cards and shuffle them and then just take the card off. And if it's a face card, two, two, th- two through ten, you do the number. If oh. it's a, a, a queen, jack, queen, king, yeah. 15 reps. If it's an ace, it's 21. Wow. Ooh. And then squats. Every t- I'll squat like three, four, five times a week. You should do some kind of like uh, exercise video for people. <laughs> people have said that. I should. People ask me all the time, like, what do you do? And I'll tell them, and they're like, ah, what do you mean? I, don't, I wouldn't do that. All right, Farrell, your, fi- your famous final question, my friend. All right. You mentioned go. you Make mentioned previously on the show several times, you know, of course, you running a promotion, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Walmart. And yeah. I am building it off Mike in the past. And I remember the first time my partner said this to me. I was 
horrified at the very thought of this, but i got to ask you, on the subject of Mr. and Mrs. Walmart and having that perfect wrestler to help market your brand, yeah. is John Cena the last great pro wrestling star we, we will ever see the way things are going? Boy, I, you know what? I'd hate to say that. That, that. that means that we don't bow well. I can't. I don't think so. I think that there's going to be there's going to be a guy who's going to get it, and that's going to that's going to step up, and you know, is going to be that guy. Will it be in the direction of Mr. and Mrs. Walmart, or will it be in the yeah. direction of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Well, Stone Cold Steve Austin was Mr. and Mrs. Walmart. Let's True on the market value, but they couldn't be more different. I, what I'm asking well, is, how be, do you think the package will be presented when that next great? That'll be up to the performer. That's the key. The times also around that performer does that ever affect anything? Oh yeah, certainly. Okay. Professional wrestling has been and always will be a mirror of modern times. That's where we're going. That's why the style years ago was a lot more simplistic. It was a lot more direct. Sure. The you know the style can become more evolved and it can become more uh, sophisticated and should. Because the audience today is more sophisticated, and to truly allow, because that's what they want, okay? No matter what anybody tells you, hmm. if you bought a ticket to watch wrestling, you want to believe in who that person is that you're watching. Sure. That's the most important thing. Mm. Yep. But then you want to believe that when he comes out to the ring, he's out there with one sole goal in mind, and that's to win, okay? And in order to convince that audience today that that situation... You have to be. You have to work on a much more sophisticated level because they've watched UFC. They now have a better understanding of what that that your that wrestling that you're doing down on the very mat is, and now and how it could lead to a submission and a possible win. Um, where before, back in the day, people weren't so keenly aware because, let's face it, and, and I've I've used this an analogy all the time to help people understand. Football, baseball, and basketball have enormous audiences in the United States for one reason and one reason only. It's because we've all played them as kids. Okay. You've either you've played football even if it's just in your backyard. Sure. You've played basketball even if it's just in the driveway. Yep. You've played baseball even if it's just at the family reunion. We've all done it. Okay? That's why NASCAR is huge. Everybody has drove a car, then everybody wants to drive fast. Okay? That's why hockey is bigger in Canada than it is in the United States because more people played hockey as youth in Canada. That's why soccer is bigger all over the rest of the world than it is, was in the United States. Now that's why soccer and the World Cup of Soccer are becoming more prominent because there are more generations of children that have grown up playing soccer. Sure. Okay? That's why more rich old white men watch golf than any other portion of the audience. Because sure. that's what all <laughs> play it are old rich white men playing golf. Okay? Yeah. Professional wrestling... Unless you've been inside the ring, you don't know what it's like to hit the ropes. You don't know what it's like to take a bump, okay? In fact, if you ask anybody in the audience, they'll tell you that the ring's a trampoline or a mattress. Or they'll tell you, oh, it's okay, they know how to fall. Right. Well, yeah, but you don't understand that every time Ow. you land, it hurts yeah. an enormous amount. Uh. So they're not relating to what we do. No. They're relating to who we are and why we're in there doing it. And that... Again, back to our original conversation is what we've departed as far as the art form is concerned so far away from is the why of it and the selling of the who. Because when you guys were just fans, you identified with a particular wrestler. And that wrestler was your favorite because you wanted to be just like that wrestler. 
When you imagined yourself wrestling, you were going to use moves like that wrestler. Mm. When you imagined yourself as a wrestler, you were going to wear gear that was like that wrestler. That's where we get the term in professional wrestling over. To get over with the audience means to make the audience want to live vicariously through you. That's, sure. that's, that's a universal form of storytelling. Okay, in every no matter how you tell a story, there must be a there must be an antagonist, which is the heel. Mm-hmm. There must be a protagonist, which is the babyface, and the babyface, the protagonist must be someone you identify with that you want to emulate and live vicariously through. Right. The reason why is so that way, when the antagonist does anything to the protagonist, they've now done it to you as well, because you feel personal connection. Correct. Personal connection. All right. Well, with that. We want to thank you for coming on. Thank you. Al thank Snow you. will be back with ESS Promotion. We're having a live auction. Ah. One interesting thing, I do have a signed picture from Rudy Rudiger. Oh, do you and really? you were in that movie, Rudy. I was Rudy. in the movie, Rudy. I met, so, I, met the, I met the real Rudy Rudiger well, that and pic- his family. That picture will be up for auction oh today with your signature. That so guy is such a wonderful guy. I'm telling you. Well, we'll I tell ta- quick, quick little story. I did the movie, right? Major motion picture. I get on the movie set, and everybody, all the crews that have come from all these other major films, they're all wearing these Letterman jackets for each one of these films they worked on. You know, a couple of them had, one guy had a league of their own. Somebody had, the coolest one I saw was a Days of Thunder one that had, it had all the, you know, like the race car patches on it and stuff. Right. And they were really awesome, right? And I'm like, hey, how do you get one of those? And he goes, ah, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll buy them for the crew or, you know, things like that. They'll put it in the budget. And uh, um, by the end of the movie, Rudy Rudiger himself, I was told, he bought each and every one of us that were football players in the movie. It was a, it's an actual Notre Dame Letterman's jacket, nice. but it has the gold helmet on the front that says Rudy in red, and on the back in gold letters across the back it says Rudy, a feature film. And I mean, it's very cool. I wear it. I wear it around Simon Diamond. Uh, only because I know it eats him up with jealousy nah. because he's such a huge Notre Dame fan, and I have it, and he ain't going to get it. Are so. you saying Simon Diamond has a problem? Uh, he has a problem, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, you've been watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and Nefaro, seen only here out of Indie Music TV. You can catch us on YouTube, Monty and Nefaro page, Facebook Live on the Monty and Nefaro page, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Channel 115 every Tuesday from 8.30 to 9 p.m., 6.30 in the morning. 6 a.m. in the morning. Sorry, to 6.30 in the morning on Channel 115. And on Channel 20 on Friday, uh, Saturdays at 1.30 in the morning. I keep stepping on my words. You could also catch us on RTF Sports Network. We are their anchor show every Thursday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And soon to be on Amazon Prime. We want to thank you, Mr. Al Snow, for coming in. What an interview. What an honor. And we can't wait to have you on the uh, auction, which is coming up in a few hours. Coming up soon in about the next five minutes, we have Doink and Dink. Sweet. Should be fun. It's going to be a blast. All right, this is Mike Monty. This is the Pharaoh, and until just a few minutes from now, later.
everybody, this is Gilbert! And it's your boy James Ellsworth, and you're listening to Long Island's number one wrestling podcast, Monty and the Pharaoh. Duh.